A Podshape production. Episode 4. Did a rapist kill my mum? This is the story of Katie O'Shea, who went missing in December 2005 in far north Queensland. In January 2006, police commenced an investigation into the disappearance of Katie. It was called Operation Echo Majestic. Police carried out proof-of-life checks across Centrelink, banks, Medicare, Interstate Police and the Registry of Births, Deaths and Marriages. There were no records of any movement or actions by Katie after she withdrew money from the post office at Ravenshoe on the 29th of December 2005. Lily Parmenter, Katie's eldest daughter, wants to know if her mum is missing or if she was murdered. You up in the sky, I'll carry you home, home to the mountain near. And soon, my friend, you'll see them again. Won't you left behind? In our previous episodes, we learnt there are two people of interest in the case of Katie O'Shea. Lily's own brother, Alan O'Shea, is one of them. Uh, well, definitely Alan O'Shea, her son, yeah. I mean, his behaviour is not consistent with, um, in my opinion, with, uh, you know, um, with the son of a, of a mother that's gone missing. The other person of interest we'll get to in a moment. The coroner listed five possible things that could have happened to Katie O'Shea in December 2005. Number one, she intentionally disappeared. Two, she committed suicide. Three, she passed from natural causes. Four, she died from a drug overdose. Or five, another person caused her death and disposed of her body. She was too loud to intentionally disappear. Um, And, well, she's Irish, so... You know, if she's pissed off with you, she'll want you to know many times. So there's no way in hell that she would have intentionally disappeared. Um, uh, she wouldn't have committed suicide because Loma's daughter had committed suicide and mum had never, mum had always felt guilty because she was too pregnant to chase after her. Natural causes, she was healthy. Like, she was weirdly healthy. She never got sick. I don't think I ever saw her sick. Um, overdose, it's possible, but I, I, mum's friends, even though they were sort of, they're they're hippies. They're not druggy hippies, if that makes sense. They're they're not those like they they might be an occasional joint, but they're not. That's not that that scene. So I would be surprised if mum had even had any contacts that she could buy drugs from in Queensland because she but like she didn't live up there and there's just I I personally there's I don't I just don't see how that's feasible so the final thing that you think happened I think mum was murdered um 
she basically vanished into thin air. Um, out of all the other possibilities, the only way that that is possible is if someone has harmed you and they're trying... They have since hidden the body somewhere. Like, there's... If it was any other way, the body would have been found. The way that she disappeared has always been suspicious because she just... She hasn't been found. It's not like she would have wandered into the bush by herself. The other man named in the coroner's report is the second person of interest. His name is Mr B. Lily told me who Mr B was. Um, Mr B is a um, convicted rapist. Um, He was... uh, I think he came over from WA to live in Millamilla or in about 2000, I think. Um, He... I think he told people in the Tablelands that he had a family there, but then he didn't actually have any family there. That was the reason. I think he said his brother had cancer and he was going to look after him on the Tablelands, but he doesn't have a brother on the Tablelands, so I think everyone found that a little bit weird. Um, He was jailed about a year after Mum went missing for, I think it was like the rape and abduction of a lady that he had picked up after she got stranded. In late 2007, a person identified as Mr B pleaded guilty to five counts of rape, five counts of sexual assault, one count of assault with intention to rape, one count of assault occasioning bodily harm whilst armed, one count of deprivation of liberty, and three counts in relation to cannabis. The woman who suffered this horrible abuse's name has been changed and her voice altered. 17 months after Katie's disappearance, a 31-year-old female was walking along Palmerston Highway near the Miller Miller turn-off. I thought he was actually being helpful and helping me get to Miller Miller so I can go home. He was very talkative, polite, and he just made me feel um, okay. Mr B offered her a lift, which she accepted. He then convinced her to go to his home and said that after he had had some tea, he would take her to her destination. He asked me if I wanted to stay overnight. I said no, and when I looked at the door, I noticed that the door's locked, but it wasn't locked when we first came in. I hopped up and unlocked the door and I said, I'm going. Um, He's caught up to me, he's swung my arm around. When she attempted to leave the house, Mr B struck her twice on the head with a piece of timber and dragged her back inside the house where he forced her onto a bed, tied up her hands and removed her clothes. Over the next five hours, Mr B committed unspeakable crimes to this woman. He brutalised her. Um, in the most disgusting of in, and inhumane ways, um... He went to sleep, and when he awoke, he took her to another room where he continued the physical and sexual abuse. He said I was feisty. He said he liked me because I, I fought back. 
And that's when I thought he's done this before to someone else. He told her he was going to keep her and that if she did as she was told, she would be fine. By this time, it was dawn. Mr B went to another room and the woman managed to free her hands and escape from the house. I hopped up. I ran to the next room and grabbed my wallet so I was able to run through the back door, run out the driveway. He's yelling after me to come back and because and I was running down a gully, I can hear him echoing to come back. Before she left, she made one very clever decision. She took off an earring she was wearing and threw it under the bed. Me throwing that locket underneath that bed proved that I was in that room and he tormented me horrifically. Detective Brett Devine remembers this case well. Here he is talking to 60 Minutes a few years ago. Some elderly people who live next door, I, th- I think they were sitting on their front veranda having a cup of tea and they were confronted by a uh, hysterical naked female bleeding from the head. What do you think he would have done if he'd caught up with her? Well, I don't think she would be talking to us today. When I spoke to Brett Devine, he remembered the case with great clarity. Yeah, my section was responsible for the investigation and, and his arrest for some um, fairly horrific crimes. So he spent a long time in prison and uh, since then, yeah, he's, he's been uh, transferred to Western Australia. At the time of the coroner's inquest into Katie's disappearance, this man was not named. However, post the inquest, he was. His name is Frank Walk. Frank Walk pleaded guilty to the charges against this woman in Miller Miller and went to jail in Queensland for 12 years. Six years into his sentence, police were made aware of another case that Frank Walk was a suspect in. The disappearance of 17-year-old Haley Dodd in July 1999 in WA. He was found guilty of the murder of Haley Dodd more than 18 years after the girl vanished while walking along a remote road in the Western Australian Wheatbelt region. There's been a major development in one of WA's most baffling murder mysteries. Police are searching a property northeast of Perth in relation to a schoolgirl who went missing over 14 years ago. Frank Walk was found to have lured the teenager into a borrowed ute. He was driving on July 29, 1999, and killed her in the course of a sexual assault. In February 2020, The conviction against Frank Walk was overturned and a new trial ordered by the WA Court of Appeal. I asked Lily whether her mum knew Frank Walk and there were also reports of her brother, Alan, having dealings with him. Yeah, they'd lived... um, And when when I went up to Queensland to um, do a 60 Minutes thing, um, we went to Mr B's property and... um, my brother had lived around that sort of same area, so my boyfriend and I were driving back and I said, oh, I want to see you know, that old place. So it's not even a five-minute drive. It's literally up the road. from They're up the road from each other. Um, I think Mr B said that he um, bought wood from um, Alan on occasions. I don't think Alan ever sold any wood, so I don't know how that worked. Um, 
It's a, it's a small town, pretty much. Everyone knows each other as well. Lily believes that Frank Walk may know more about her mother's disappearance than he's told police. He... Well, he's got the connection to my brother. Um, there's also the... Uh, during my sort of sleuthing um, in between the inquests, um, I found out that Frank's Frank's doll day was actually that Thursday. Um, that mum went missing, so mum went missing on the 29th, which was a Thursday, and his doll day was actually due that day. Um, so it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he was in Atherton at that time. Um, and if he'd maybe stopped in to play pool and sort of seen mum and went, hi, I know your son, she would have, you know, spoken to him. Um, I, I honestly, I, it makes me want to throw up whenever I think that he could, like, he could have gotten near mum because he's not a nice person at all. He's in jail at the moment for the murder of Haley Dodd, as we said, he is appealing that sentence and that appeal is happening in January of next year, 2021. If you had a chance to give him a message about your mum's disappearance and the answers that you want now, what would you say to him? What did she ever do to you? Why would you do such a thing like that to... To, to anybody um, what did you do with her and it's bad enough that he well, that, that he took mum does he really need to punish us as well by just letting us live in this constant state of nothingness it's, it's like purgatory I guess you know you're sort of in this void like, if there was any humanity with him, I, like, I guess I'd ask him if there was any humanity left in, in him at all. Could he show a little by telling us what happened to Mum and where we might be able to lay her to rest? Because I wouldn't even wish that on him. I just want my mum back, to be honest. You're up in the sky,
There are over 38,000 long-term missing person cases in Australia, and the story you've just heard is one of them. We want to continue to help bring these emotional stories of ambiguous loss to you so we can spread the word and hopefully get some closure for the families. For as little as the price of a coffee a month, you can help support us to keep creating this content. Just head to our Patreon page. The link is in the show notes.